Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller. And it is uh, it is September 15th as we are recording this, just about 5.30 at night here on the East Coast. And that means that today is Roberto Clemente Day in MLB. Oh, I didn't even realize. That's right. And not only that, Corwin, but if you didn't realize that, I'm sure you also didn't realize that MLB is allowing players to wear number 21 on their as their jersey number today. That's pretty cool. They said it was specifically for the Puerto Rican born players, but other players could do it if they so chose. That felt like a weird line to kind of leave for people to cross because then you have to look at people who aren't wearing 21. Like, was that a choice you made or, or did someone say you couldn't or did you just not know? Why not just make everyone wear 21? Weird choice. It's one of those things where, like, I genuinely get it from MLB's perspective, where, like, the idea was probably let's let all Puerto Rican born players wear 21 to celebrate Roberto Clemente, celebrate Puerto Rico. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, are we going to ban other players from wearing 21? What if they're already wearing 21? Uh, uh, let's just solve this problem right now not answer any more questions and just forget it existed and just like let them do it if they want and we'll announce but it we, on September yeah 14th they announced it yesterday i saw this and was like wait wait what you're telling I me bet, Clemente today is tomorrow and we're just figuring this shit out now i bet there was some team that just didn't have enough twos and ones like in their equipment department to like make a new jersey in time for half their team and some guy in the equipment room is just like what the fuck sorry guys the, the chip shortage is leading to a, a lack of production of twos and ones we just can't produce enough twos and ones with this current ship chip shortage on a relatively tangential note there's an actual shortage in steel right now because of one coronavirus you know stopped a lot of production for a while and two amazon bought all the steel everywhere to build their distribution centers and facilities and they're so massive and use so much steel and they paid such a premium for it that they just bought it all they basically just cornered the market in steel and just was like we're buying everything and if you're not us you can't afford to beat our prices and so everyone else is like fighting for a very limited supply now and it happens with happens to be affecting the uh, production of golf irons, which is why mine are coming in six weeks now instead of like two weeks. Because fuck you, Jeff Bezos. That's that's all you need to know. How Jeff Bezos is ruining golf by Corwin Heller. In this Actually, paper, I on another tangent, Jeff Bezos is looking into buying the Denver Broncos. I did see that. And honestly, we shouldn't be surprised because this has been a thing since at least the Don Sterling era of the Clippers, because the whole reason Don Sterling bought the Clippers, and I think that's the right guy. I forget a lot of names and I'm very Donald bad Sterling is correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the whole reason he bought the Clippers is because someone he knew bought the Lakers and was like, yo, you little bitch, all the cool bajillionaires own sports teams. And Don Sterling was like, well, fuck that then. I'm going to buy the San Diego Clippers and move them to L.A. because this is all about status. 
And so we should not be surprised that Jeff Bezos is trying to buy an NFL team because I bet he knows someone. Well, he's Jeff Bezos. Of course he does. But I, I bet someone said to him, Jeffy boy, why don't you own an NFL franchise? You went to space in your own personal rocket. Seems like a weird set of priorities. And he's buying it as a status symbol, the same way you would buy like a super a cool piece of yeah. art or yeah, or like a laptop, like a, like a like a new MacBook Pro. He's like, I will buy the you know Broncos. What? No, this is yeah, like you me mean going out like and the buying horse? no the Broncos. To him, this is like me buying a new hat. Honestly, I don't even think it's that. Well, let's say he like bought. Let's say he bucks. buys them and just two billion dollars worth a lot more than the Broncos are worth. But at the same time, you're not going to get a discount on sports franchises. Easy math as well. He's what worth what he's worth, what, like one hundred and seventy billion dollars at this point. Sure. Cool. So that's not that much money. It's a good chunk of money. Don't get me wrong. It's $2 billion. But he's not, you know, meal Sorry, prepping Corwin, this week. because he's worth of it. a $200.3 billion. Go fuck yourself, Jeff Bezos. Do you think if he bought the Broncos, should... he would, like, turn the um, stadium into uh, an Amazon warehouse, like, partially? Yes. Like, yes. welcome to Denver Broncos Arena and the Amazon warehouse pickup location. Stop by the ticketing booth to receive any packages and buy tickets to tonight's game. I should stop because I, I feel like if I keep talking, this is going to become a thing he actually does. No, absolutely. Because he listens to us. It's a fulfillment center. It's a fulfillment center and a fun center. I think we should tell Jeff Bezos, like us, the U.S. Himself? government, okay. uh, should be like, Jeff Bezos, give us $100 billion and we'll give you the moon. You can buy the moon. And Jeff Bezos is like, yeah, every villain buys the moon. That's how. Yeah, let's do it. I got money. And then we just send him to the moon and he could spend all the time up there that he wants. He doesn't technically own the moon. And we get one hundred billion dollars. We should take the IRS should take Bezos to Amazon HQ and be like, all right, Jeff, we're going to force you to actually pay taxes. And we're going to increase your taxes one percentage point for every person we point at in this office that you don't know the name of. <laughs> and just and just start pointing at his own employees and be like, Jeff, who is that? And they just start with his secretary. And, and Jeff Bezos go, is just like, fuck you. Uh, employee six, nine, two, five, one. No, Jeff, that's Linda. She's is worked her, for you for years. Jeff, what is the name of your secretary? Woman? I usually just say you there. <laughs> I don't right. refer to anyone by name. I snap my fingers and someone's there. It doesn't matter who. They are all physical Alexas to me. <laughs> um, all right, let's get back on track. It's Roberto Clemente Day. That's hey. really cool. Um, at the like same, it. it is really, really great seeing a bunch of Roberto Clemente highlights because for one thing, they're fucking great highlights. God damn. The thing I think that you so easily forgettable or forgotten when it comes to players of that era is how at like great defensively they were, because when you see batting stats, it's, I think it's very easy to translate that in your mind. Mm -hmm. But when someone says Roberto Clemente had a fucking cannon of an arm, you go like, cause I think 
at least I am susceptible to buying into a little bit the whole like, ah, they were worse athletes in the 60s and 70s. We're better today. Right. And then you see Roberto Clemente like launch a fucking rocket from the deepest pocket of right field all the way to home plate on like a no bounce throw to nail a runner. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's like an Aaron Judge quality throw out of a guy who is not Aaron Judge size because he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yes, he is. It's one of those things where I wish I could have time travel, not to, you know, end genocides, not to make myself infinitely wealthy. It's like just so I could bring like an HD video camera to like old time pirates games and just be able to record that and bring it back and be like, now that we see how good they are in high definition, you can see that they are just as good, if not better than players we have today. Welcome yeah. to my TED Talk. Yeah, wouldn't you love to just hang out during batting practice with like him and Stargell and just like fucking vibe? Um, uh, I mean, if we're going to batting practice, we're going to Babe Ruth batting practice just because that's something we need to confirm or deny. Just him. Just him. Just knocking him out. Yeah. I will say it is, uh, it is. Great to see Roberto Clemente honored in this way by MLB, as I think it's always nice seeing players of, of past generations, and even of, of current generations who, who mm-hmm. you know, receive special um, acknowledgement from the league. At the same time, I think that needs to come hand in hand with, you know, the off the field things of Roberto Clemente that are obviously very, very honorable that I, you know, often get lost in the shuffle or at least not raised up as much. I think everyone knows that mm-hmm. Roberto Clemente passed away while trying to deliver aid to, actually, I don't think it was, was it Puerto Rico? Or was it, it, it was, Cuba? it was Puerto Rico. It was Puerto Rico. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was another Latin American country, Um, but you know, passed away do, doing an, an aid flight because the, um, resources that he had been sending over had been getting taken by the local government and weren't being distributed. And so he wanted to make sure that he was there and could be like, guys, quit fucking this up. Like I'm like, oh give this God. to the people. But at the same time, like there's a lot of facets to Roberto Clemente, the guy that aren't just that one aid trip that really, you know, can inform as to who he was as a, as a, a person, as a ball player, as an immigrant, as an American, that I don't think get touched on as much. And it'd be nice the same way that MLB shares a lot of speeches of Jackie Robinson on Jackie Robinson day, talking about how, you know, race relations need to be improved around the league, around America, what have Mm -hmm. you, even though they don't often go into his more um, bold (laughs) statements or his more controversial or more um, progressive statements they at least do some of that i think there needs to be some of that for roberto clemente too who had a lot of thoughts and opinions on how we treated like the poor in america or how he was treated as uh, someone who was uh, an immigrant and black and spanish first language and all that shit i thought you were about to lay it on me that roberto clemente was like an anti-semite or like super racist or just no, if you listen person. to him talk, he's an even better guy than you already thought he was. Oh, God bless. If you I listen was, to him talk, you're like, oh, my God, dude, you rock. If you started going into it, I was very close to just being like, I need you to stop. I I cannot take this right now. I need you to not say it. He is every bit as good as you think he is. 
God bless. Like I was seeing videos of him today because that's one of the best parts of you follow um, certain segments of baseball Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, The certain segments that actually like care about society is that like they'll share a lot of videos that you just will never have seen. And I was I saw a video of Roberto Clemente talking about how he got treated as a as a, a black Spanish person when he came to America and how he wants people to be treated better and to reflection upon American society and like all that shit. And I was mm-hmm. like, fuck yeah, Roberto. Like, I'm so sorry. Nothing's changed since then, but Hey, like, this is awesome. Like I want, I want to see this. This is great. This is part of what made him one of the, yeah. one of the, yeah. one of the greats, you know? Absolutely. So I just, it is I'm, great though. I'm imagining great now just how, impactful it would be for like the national hero of puerto rico at the time roberto clemente just the biggest figure in puerto rico like the biggest role model for so many people to have to come to your country with aid for your people your fellow countrymen and just give you this talking down to because you're either stealing or allowing these goods to be stolen and just how that must feel like having your role model like the person you love more than anything you know as a celebrity figure be like you're a piece of shit and i hate you give these people their goods it'd be like your mother comes home and taking 20 out of her purse she's like stop it what are you doing i use this for food i feed you you. (laughs) (laughs) oh jeez I imagine that's what it'd be like. Like, imagine you're like one of the bad government guys. You show up to the the tarmac, like, "Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna steal some food from the government." And then Roberto Clemente pops out and he's like, "Knock it off, you fucking idiot!" No, I just imagine. Sorry. I just imagine the back door of like the ramp of the plane drops, and he's just firing balls out there. Just oh, I imagine rockets. The the door of the plane drops, and he's standing there with his arms already folded. Just disappointment. This is already like, guys, guys, I had to come out here for this. Anyway, anyway, it's not a short flight. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea how long the flight is. And I think he left from Florida. So I think it actually was a pretty short flight. Like I don't think he left from Pittsburgh. Well, fuck. And anyway, um, but it, it will be nice to see. You know, I've watched a few of the games already today, and it, it is really cool to see the 21 jerseys out there. Because, <clears throat> you know, seeing it also without the name on the back and seeing it with, like, the, the kind of unity of seeing a lot of them all in one, one place really adds to the magic. I mean, that's part of what makes Jackie Robinson Day so impactful is seeing all those 42s and getting to, you know, because it's it, first off, it's not a number you see anymore, 42. And, and to see everyone have it and to ditch the name on the back really makes you think about that number and who it represents and what that person stood for. And it really does have that same feeling for, oh, sorry, for Roberto Clemente, which is why we've been, you and I have been like, why don't you do this? Uh, for years, we've been saying this. So mm-hmm. it is very rewarding a feeling. So at least shout outs to that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, I know that there have been some NFL games that have happened so far, but there's really I I don't want to say there's nothing to talk about yet, but it's just that we are in the middle of such a fascinating point in the baseball season that I think I would rather spend since we're going to have a a slightly shorter episode today, um, spend some time talking about baseball. If you're wondering, why is this a shorter episode today? Well, you're anti-Semitic because it is Yom Kippur and you should have known that, you dumb little bitch. Uh, (laughs) So if you're listening to this, I'm hungry and cranky already. Uh, but, 
Yeah, so I have to I have to like go make my like my meal before the sun goes down. Like I'm some kind of Cinderella ass motherfucker. No. Yeah, Cinderella was the one with the shoes, right? Turned into a uh the glass slipper and, and the carriage with the turns into a pumpkin. I think they Cinderella. all wore shoes, but yes, that's the person you're thinking about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so I don't want to turn into a pumpkin. Uh all right. So let's uh let's tackle some topics here. And Let's talk about some of the teams that are around the, I don't know, playoff bubble, I suppose, and kind of where they're at with that. And let's actually start for once with the National League. So right now, I almost can't even believe it, and I was shocked to see it when it happened, but the second playoff spot in the National League, the second wildcard spot, is currently held by the St. Louis Cardinals. And I say that with a lot of like in in indignance in my voice, but it really is they were not in it for so long. And it was so much focus on the Padres rise and fall and on the Reds sneaking up that the Cardinals didn't even get first billing on like the underdog story. And here the fuck they are in a playoff spot. I mean, I, I, I can hardly fucking believe it. I hate it mostly because I hate the Cardinals and mostly, I guess I can't say mostly twice that defeats the purpose of the word half because I hate the Cardinals and half because it's not the Padres, but we'll get to that. It, I mean, good for them for getting here like it's hard enough as is but my goodness it is uh it's pretty crazy to um imagine them really going out and being able to do a whole lot in the postseason uh with the team that they have right now yeah i mean this is a team that you and i openly mocked for trading for john lester and jay habit the deadline Mm -hmm. and rightfully so um, since then, John Lester is a 4.3 ERA with the team and Jay Happ has a 4.08 ERA with the team, which neither of which are like horrendous, but neither of which are great. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in this team, like it, it's being aced, the ace of the team, he's acing over there uh, by Adam Wainwright, who's like 90. And Corwin, how I want to see your reaction when I say this, Adam Wainwright has almost 100 more innings pitched than the next most innings on the Cardinals. Can you repeat that? Adam Wainwright has almost 100 more innings pitched than the next pitcher on the Cardinals. So that it tells me one He's of 95. <laughs> He's either the only healthy pitcher who has also pitched a fair amount or is such an iron horse that there is, there's nothing. I know which one it is for sure, but my goodness, that's an insane stat regardless. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, a little column A, a little column B. Um, He, he is one of the only, I think two Cardinals pitchers that has not been hurt a significant portion of the season. And I think he's the only one that hasn't even seen an IL stint. 
Uh, I don't think he's missed a start yet this year. So that certainly helps. Uh, f- by the way, the actual numbers, um, Adam Wainwright, 190.1 innings pitched. And then uh, the second most on the team is uh, Kwang Hung Kim, who has 101.2. So that is, uh, I don't know, 88.1 innings, 88.2 innings fewer, wow. some shit like that. Um, it's But it's still very fucking significant. Uh, uh-huh. And... And that's the, you know, this is a team that uh, has good pitchers on it. Uh, You know, Jack Flaherty is a really solid pitcher that got hosed with injuries this year. John Mm -hmm. Gant's been been pitching well when he's been on the field. But really, I mean, the fact that Adam Wainwright has been a non-issue in regards to his injury with his age is just fucking astonishing. Not just that he's been injury free, but that he's been an effective starting pitcher for this many innings at his age. And he's been carrying the team for a good port- good portion of this season. Yeah, I mean, he's been rock fucking steady. So he also has the best ERA of all the starters and the second best ERA on the team out of the main innings pitchers. The, the, the best ERA in the team is their closer, Alex Reyes, with an uh, 2.86 ERA, but Adam Wainwright's ERA is 2.88. It is not much fucking higher. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's nursing a sub three ERA at the age of um, 39, but has his birthday passed already? Is he actually secretly 40? Um, tell me, Adam Wainwright, how old are you? He is secretly 40. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at the age of 40. Oh, his birthday was like two weeks ago. Way to go, Adam. You made it. Um, it's, it's just fucking nuts. It's just fucking nuts. By ERA plus, this is, let's see, his, uh, oh, shit, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best season of his career at age 40. Wow. Oh, and one of those, actually, hold on, a couple of these seasons shouldn't even, I shouldn't even count because this, the, his best season by ERA plus, he pitched 28 innings before getting hurt. So that shouldn't even count. So really, this is at least the sixth best season of his career. There's a couple other short seasons in here. So, yeah, I mean, all right, let me ask you this. Is Adam Wainwright in your top five Cy Young candidates for the National League? Not before today. I don't know if he still would be today, but he definitely wasn't before now. All right, so hold on. Let me let's look at the NL pitching leaders today. See who's got the most war. So yeah, he's not even in the top ten. Oh, yeah, this is such a tough fight because it's it's Zach Wheeler with the most at 6.7, then Scherzer at 5.9, and Scherzer's got such a fucking case, man. Um, then Bueller at 5.7, Miley at 5.6, Burns at 5.3, and then Woodruff, last guy over 5 at 5.1. Um, so I guess there's not really a case for him there, but it's just still just so damn impressive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, do you think I'd that the, to Wade Miley? I would love that as a Wade Miley fantasy baseball owner. Um, not that I get points for that. It would just be fun. Imagine uh, if you did, though. That'd be cool. That actually would be pretty cool. But at that point, it's basically just prop bet gambling. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think the Cardinals are a team built for success in a playoff run because that's one of the other things that you that we hear a lot of that i actually do buy into a little bit you know like uh 
if the Padres could just make the playoffs, they could be built for a run because you don't have to have such a deep rotation because you're not pitch. You don't need five starting pitchers. You usually only need three, maybe a fourth one. Um, and there's more rest days per uh, per week because of the time the time spent with travel days. And if you win your um, your series, then then there's time spent in between series is is and it, you can view it a little bit more as leaning on your offense and the Padres have a, a great offense, you know, uh, so <sighs> I'm sorry. So, you know, there, the, I understand a lot of the rationale bet- behind the whole idea of it's a team that might not be seeing regular season success, but could be built for a playoff run. And this is another thing you hear about the Mets constantly. Do you think the Cardinals are built for a playoff run? No, I just really can't see that. I just don't see how that team comes together and just performs and performs consistently at a high enough level over the course of an entire postseason to, to make any sort of run. I just don't see that happening. I just don't see any, and like, Who's going to step up for them? You know, they have Nolan Arenado. They have Paul Goldschmidt. They have Adam Wainwright. I mean, yes, those are having a great season. He's having a very good season. You're right. But at the same time, you know, winning in the postseason is about having a deep rotation. And that's one thing they definitely don't have. And I just don't see the bats staying hot enough, you know, for a month to be able to carry them into the postseason deep, I should say. They get in, they get in. Anything can happen. We know that, especially in a one game wild card, but you know, it's tough. I think the other part of it is that one of the things that's made them so successful is, has been defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been talked a lot about specifically with Adam Wainwright, because he's been inducing so much weak contact um, and the, St. Louis defense has been so phenomenal that he is the leader in uh, outs above average for the defense behind him in all of baseball right now, because again, great defense and he's been doing a great job with it, but it's true of the St. Louis Cardinals defense, whether he's pitching or not, they've got a great fucking defense, but I think it's a lot tougher to lean on that in the playoffs because it's, it's such a long-term build up type of thing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. tough to see it make a short-term difference. Or, or it's 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 tough to it's tough to build a run on that. Like I don't think right. you're ever going to have a really good run in the regular season or in the postseason on the back of phenomenal defense. The same way that you see runs happen all the time on the back of everyone in the lineup got hot at the same time, or you hit like you're hitting three home runs a game for like six days, or I, we accumulated as a team like 60 strikeouts on the pitching side in a week. We did just ridiculous pitching outings. Like no one said, no one says out here where we've gotten so many outs above average this week mm-hmm. that it's propelled us to success. Like over the course of a season, good consistent defense saves you runs, wins you ball games, you know, things happen. In the postseason, when your best players need to make plays and, and it's crunch time, you know, you're you need a run in the bottom of the ninth. You can't control who you know where the ball gets hit to any you know discernible degree. You know, 
Fernando Tatis isn't always going to get the ball hit to him so that he can go out and make a play or the biggest play of the game is going to happen and it's going to go to him. It's up to him to make a play. You can't control that. And it's so wildly inconsistent because of that. You know, you need a run. Fernando Tatis is at bat. He's hot. The pressure's on. This is where he plays his best. Okay. You know, great players make something happen there. You can't force anything with defense. Right. I think that's really like the nail on the head there. There's no, there's no self-determination with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, obviously you can't necessarily force a strikeout, but you can, like, you know, you can't just pitch harder and, oh, I mean, sometimes you can, but you, you can't necessarily just go out there and like, I'm going to pitch harder. I'm going to, you know, and, and get a strikeout. You can, you can, you can go up there and be like, I, we need a home run and get, and get a home run. You can't be like, I'm going to get six double plays today. Like you can't, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't like Paul Goldschmidt can't walk out there and be like, I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get like an unassisted double play in there today. I'm going to try to squeeze one of those in there. It just doesn't, it just doesn't fucking work like that. Fuck Paul Goldschmidt can go up there and be like, I'm going to try to hit two home runs today. He probably won't, but he can say that to himself and, and, it, it, and it could happen. He could be right. And he could be like, I will this, you know, and Adam Wainwright could go up there and be like, I'm going to have 10 strikeouts today. And he might not do it, but he can he could try and he could do that. There's no way for Paul Goldschmidt to even try to have an unassisted double play without someone doing something else first. Or also and everything doing it, it out of the way or going out of your way to do it in a certain situation and forcing it and potentially like yes, you can force yourself to make one specific statistical play if you if the opportunity is there, but it's not at all ever gonna be the not ever but it's not always going to be the best choice the best option you can go for an unassisted double play with two out or i guess you couldn't with one out or you could throw the um pitch home and save yourself a run yeah there's too many variables so many of which are just wildly out of your control for 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 you to will a win on the on the side of defense. You can prevent losses from defense, mm-hmm. but I think that's the extent of it. I don't think you can win a game on the back of defense. You can only prevent yourself from losing on the back of defense. And it's different because this is team defense, and as a team, they play good defense, but at the end of the day, it's like this is a game of two true outcomes at this point, or three true outcomes. Yeah, Defense doesn't have any input on any of those. I, so I, I think we're we're landing on the same point here, which is I'm not confident that the, especially after this, since they're gonna have to face the Dodgers. I mean, there's, there's good fucking luck. I mean, you're you're gonna ha- if you're gonna beat the Dodgers, who has an amazing pitching staff, regardless of the defense behind them, you're going to have to be able to hit, which mm-hmm. some Cardinals can, some can't. I also just want to shout out though that if the Cardinals win the World Series, um, that means that a man by the name of Lars Newt Bar also gets a World Series ring, and I kind of need a guy with the name of Lars Newt Bar. To have a World Series ring. So, Can you explain who Lars Newtbar is? Uh, he is their right fielder and pinch hitter. He has an 88 OPS plus this season. It is his first year in the majors at 23. He has 0.1 war. Um, and that is just an amazing name. And his last name is spelled N-O-O-T-B-A-A-R. Newtbar. I don't believe that he's real and I won't accept it. 
he's real. He's fabulous. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Mova. Right. So we've, we've talked a little bit in the past about the Padres and the Reds. It's been interesting because neither team has really pulled away with anything. In fact, in their last 10 games, the Reds and Padres are both three and seven. So both teams seem to be skidding kind of at the same time. And if you look one team below that, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, who are currently three games back from the wild card, they've also been three and seven in their last 10. So there's not really a team that's reaching out to get it. The Mets theoretically could be in play here. They're only four games out with the Rockies being the fifth team out and they're eight and a half games back. And realistically, there's just not enough time for that. Um, but even the Mets haven't been phenomenal in, in their last 10 games. They are also, they're four and six in their last 10. So they have the best record by a game and their record still sub 500 because they're just not playing pristine ball. And it's, it's going to be a weird ending to this season. If no team gets hot, because it'll be tough to look at the team that ends up making it unless it is the Cardinals. Cause they've been good as of late. They're six and four in their last 10. Um, but without a team, it seems like a team is going to get it because the spot's there and someone's got to win instead of a team reaching out and snatching it at this point. So it's tough Agreed. to even speak of the merits here because it's like, if no one's winning, then what are the merits, you know? Right. Oh, uh, it's going to be an interesting postseason, regardless. I just, um, I hope something fun happens. You know, I hope something fun happens where, like if the Dodgers go to the World Series, okay. Like I can mentally kind of accept that that's a very likely thing that will happen. But at the same time, man, I really hope it's just two completely random teams just out of nowhere. That would be ideal. Right. Uh, the only thing I'm... Only other thing, I guess, I, I wanted to, to ask about was uh, what you think of our boy, you. You, Darvish, has been uh, not great throughout the uh, the past few months. His yeah. ERA by month in April and March, it was 2.13. In May, it was 2.2. June, it was 3.7. And then people are pointing to June because June was the month in which the MLB started cracking down on substance use. And in July, his ERA was 7.36. In August, it was 6.32. And in September so far, it's been 9.95. And he's been a huge reason why the Padres haven't gained ground in the wildcard standings recently. Oh, I mean, there's so many reasons they haven't. Um, believe me, there's an endless number of reasons why they haven't. Um, it's, I want to trust my boy, you, uh, I know, I but Corwin, be a cheater. in the last three months, June, July, and August, you Darvish has won one game. That's a huge, when he's the ace of the staff, that's a big fucking reason that the Padres haven't hit a stride one game out of your ace in three months. And I know wins and losses is a relatively shitty stat, but the fact, honestly, the fact he has one win in there is kind of astonishing. Uh, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. It, it very much is. Um, God, the, just there's been so much bullshit with the Padres of just 
the team collapsing as a whole, it's hard to just say, hey, this is you Darvish's fault for not being the star of our staff. No one's been playing well. Blake Snell has turned his season around after being awful for most of it. Joe Musgrove's been pretty consistently good. Tatis has been consistently good. Three players can't win you a, a playoff berth, you know, especially when the guys that should be playing extremely well are playing extremely poorly. Um, you know, there's just so much bad going on. I don't want to put it all on you. I I I, I get it. It's just uh, it makes you. I I think it's a little extra attention to it also because of the sticky stuff portion of it with the timing of his descent. Obviously, a lot of pitchers feel a second half stress because of the mileage you put on your mm-hmm. arm in a given amount of time. And you is now one of the elder statesmen <laughs> of um, of a pitching staff. He's at the ripe old age of 34. So, um, yeah, you know, there's actually, sorry, 35. He also had a birthday recently. Fuck this bullshit. Um, wow. The fact that you, Darvish, is only five years younger than Adam Wainwright. I feel like they're from two different generations. Of yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Huh. Anyway, um, it, it is an, a little bit of an extra talking point because of that. But I agree. It's not it's not like it's his sole responsibility to bear. But mm-hmm. all right, let's take you to the American League standings real quick, because uh got to get out of here relatively soon. Um, so of the five teams in the American League East, four of them are fighting for a playoff spot, which is astonishing. So as we all know, the Baltimore Orioles are still trash. They are still uh, the worst team in the American League with a 46 and 98 record, well on their way to securing yet another 100 game loss season. Horrible sentence. How, but the rest of their uh, division rivals are doing fairly well. The Tampa Bay Rays have the best record in the American League at 90 and 55. The wild card is currently a well really a three-way tie in terms of uh uh win loss percent but the two spots are currently occupied by the yankees and the uh, blue jays each with the exact same record uh, 81 and 64 uh, with boston statistically tied with them at 82 and 65 and then right behind them are seattle uh three games back at 78 and 67 and then oakland at 77 and 67 three and a half games back and so there are five teams fighting over two spots that all have a rather good chance of actually doing something here in the in the down the stretch portion of the season to mm-hmm. make it to the playoffs. And wow is really all I've got to say because there has been some astonishing stories from this. Um, I guess we'll start team by team. It might be the sure. easiest way of doing this. Maybe we'll start from the bottom, work our way up. Oakland. Oakland's had a rough stretch. They're three and seven in their last 10 and they're only 10 games over 500, which is odd from a team that has shown so much success and promise recently. Um, But you'd think that with the pieces they have on their, their team, the, the bats that they've had, Sean Mania having a a really nice rebound season that they'd be able to put something together. And then it, it hasn't just been there. Corbin Heller. What do you think? the likelihood of the Oakland athletics making the playoffs is pretty low. I mean, 
believe me like you they got cold at the worst possible time and boy they just seem ice cold yeah they do don't they i i also don't i'm not confident that they they get there and that's a, the, the the tricky thing is that they totally could you know it, mm-hmm. they're only three and a half games out it wouldn't take much of a hot streak the problem with there being so many teams in this running is that their hot streak would have to be at at least a 500 pace for everybody else. Right. And with how some of these other teams have been doing, adding in that and factor of you have to be good and something else has to happen, it's it's tough. It's very tough. Just don't see it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I do either, but, you know, keep an eye on it. Uh, all right, so let's take it to the next team then. The Seattle Mariners, who I cannot believe are slightly, but still, in a better playoff position than the Oakland Athletics as of today. But they are half a game ahead of the A's. And actually, they're playing right now against the Red Sox. And again, that will have kind of significant playoff standings. Um, their consequences. And that game is tied in the six, three to three. Oh, oh goddamn. Um, wow, I love it. What do you think the Mariners odds are on, on making this playoffs? How many games back? Three, even. Honestly, fairly so decent. If they beat the Red Sox today, it's, it's two, I would think. Well, actually it'd be two and a half. Cause that would also require one of the, Blue Jays and Yankees losing today. But anyway. But regardless, I like like I like the Mariners, man. I want to see them do well. I mean, I don't obviously they're not out of it. Obviously, it just takes a little bit of a push, especially after today, if if they can pull it out. But there's a lot of good teams ahead of them that are playing a lot better baseball. And I just thinking about a long postseason run. I just don't think they necessarily have it. How much of a fucking blast would it be if they made it though? Oh, I'd love it. I'd watch. I'd go and watch all their games. Okay, hold on. I I thought of a question for myself, but I'm going to make you answer it first. Who do you think the ace of that staff is? You say Kikuchi. All right. I'm going to ask it now two ways. Who do you think the ace of that staff is? by innings pitched, and then by ERA. I haven't looked at either because I'm wondering if it's the same person. I bet it's I bet it's Kikuchi for both. How about that? It is not. Actually, it is the same guy for both. But that guy is Chris Flexen. A man that I did not know existed before this season. Is and I only know he exists because of, um, yeah, he's a starter because of fantasy baseball. Um, but Chris Flexen leads the team in innings pitch with 156.2 and leads the rotation in ERA with the 3.73. Oh, that's not a great number to be leading your team. Oh, hell no. No, this no, team will get bad. chewed the fuck up in a playoff series. They might be able to win a one gamer. You know, uh, win a win a wild card game just on you know dumb luck and shit. But I mean, their their ERA by starter, Chris Flexen three point seven three, Yusei Kikuchi four point two three, Marco Gonzalez four point zero three, Logan Gilbert four point nine seven, Justice Sheffield six point three eight, 
And then Justin Dunn, who's currently on the 60-day IL, 3.75. That's uh, pretty fucking bad. Was Justice Sheffield part of the Paxton trade? Yeah. Former Yankee, Justice Sheffield. That worked out for neither team, really. Yeah, because Paxton's back on the Mariners, but he's hurt all season. And Justice Sheffield's on the Mariners, and he's just not very good. He wouldn't be in the Yankees rotation at all. Uh, well, Andrew Heaney has a starting job with us, so maybe. Mm. I hate it. Anyway, um, yeah, I oh, I guess also I guess actually Tyler Anderson that would be the um ace of the Mr. staff. Mr. Anderson. 3.67 ERA with the team. Uh, since he's been traded there. So I guess that's Not something. Bad. No, but you would hate this team in the playoffs because they would not be good. But if they made the playoffs, I'm not sure any Mariners fan cares. Are there any that exist still? Are they still alive? Yes. Yes, they are. They're they, still but, hanging out with the Orioles fans, Detroit fans, all those fans that have. No, no, really they're, they're all well. still around. But the only difference between Mariners fans now and Mariners fans in 01 when they last made the playoffs is that now Mariners fans are old enough to have a mortgage. Um, and also too young to remember the last time the team was good. Sad. Very sad. Ah! <laughs> That's right. Suck on that. All right. I want to. I don't want to suck on anything right now. So the Mariners probably are a long shot. And that brings us to the main three, the two through five teams in the AL East, the Yankees, Blue Jays, and Red Sox. So let's talk Red Sox, I guess, to start. Yeah. Does this team make the so Chris Sale has returned? Yes. That's been good for them. Um, yes. let me get you his actual ERA because I didn't pull up their page at the time. What do you want? Preparation? I already have 9,000 tabs open. I don't need more. Um, since Chris you sure? Sale, you sure you don't have any more that you want to just throw oh, shit, that's right. Chris Sale currently back on the IL with COVID. Forgot about that tidbit. Um, but since he's returned to the Red Sox, he's been three and oh uh, in the win loss column with a 2.52 ERA in 25 innings. So it's a uh, pretty fucking good uh, currently on the IL though, and not going to be able to help you immediately down the stretch anyway, until he gets reactivated. Um, but outside of that, you know, Nathan Nivaldi has still been good. And after that, it gets scary. Tanner Houck has been really, really nice for them. Um, and Garrett Woodlock's been good. Yeah. I, after that, it's, it's tough, but, as we've said every time we talk about the Red Sox, the batting's been great. Yeah. So considering they have to to jump one of the Blue Jays or Yankees, just one of them, do you think this team makes the playoffs? And in spite of whom? I don't because I think both the Blue Jays and the Yankees hold firm compared to the Red Sox, at least. I just think those are two teams that will to perform better like obviously it's jumping the gun here but i just have a lot more belief in how both of those other teams are playing right now compared to the red sox it's oh my god it's it's so fucking tough man so the yankees and, and red sox have been relatively in line with each other in terms of their performance and again as of late i mean they are like it, we're looking at three different ways of hitting basically the same win-loss record. The Yankees and, and, and Red Sox are 
three and seven and four and six in the last 10 games respectively. So they're, they're both on slight skids, both looking to turn it around. Um, Red Sox, I think just won. I thought they just won a game recently. Did they just win last night? Did I make that up? Oh, did the Red Sox not even play it. Okay. They did win yesterday. Okay. Um, I didn't make that up. I thought I did. Um, and with the Yankees also winning last night and, you know, they're night before and they're playing everyone's favorite punching bag, the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> so, um, there's a chance they could turn around, but 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 Toronto's at eight and two, and I don't see a single reason why they should stop losing games or stop stop winning games. Um, they are firing all cylinders. The pitching is hitting, the hitting is hitting, the fans are hitting, the everyone's hitting, everyone's hitting all the time. Everyone shows up to Rogers Center and hits. Um, everything hits. They're hitting at a truly like no hyperbole and unbelievable rate. It is fucking mind blowing. Is is the the best descriptor I can use. It is fucking stupid. It hurts my feelings how well they're playing, and I love it. I could not possibly get enough of it. Um, I I mean, everyone you'd want to, everyone you would think would have a decent season there is having an amazing season there, and they're hitting Mm -hmm. their best stretch of the year like at the same time. It's so fucking cool to see. There is a single player. No, sorry. There's two players on the team with a sub 100 OPS plus. That's it. That is it. it. Their catcher, catcher and... Reese McGuire, 85. Ooh, I don't know. Next um, one's very close. Yankee the, killer, though. The Yankee killer, though. Troy Tulowitzki. Oh, Randall Grichuk. Uh, 97 just on the before cusp. Mike Trout. Yeah. Um, but they've even gotten production out of their backup catcher, Anthony. Uh, sorry, Alejandro Kirk, who has a 129 OPS plus. So, depending how you want to draw lines, I mean, that lineup is just so fucking wow. stupid. Um, and there's a larger conversation I was wondering if we'd have time to have that, probably not about Vlagaro Jr. and his potential to win a triple crown and not get an MVP vote which is a real possibility, but we might have to save that for another day. Um, when do they do that? That voting isn't for a while now, right? Yeah, it'll be, it'll, I think it's usually takes place like in like a week or so after the season ends. And then you don't find out the results until Got later it. on. So we have time to really break it down. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, we're not, we're in no rush, but as it stands today, he leads um, all of baseball and home runs, all of, baseball and runs scored. Uh, he does not lead the AL in RBIs yet but he also leads the AL in batting average. So the, um, the three to look out for are home runs, RBIs, and batting average. But um, so he's two for three so far. Who does lead? I'm not going to look it up. It's not worth the time. We have very little of it. Um, so I, I, I see, you know, the really, I think the real competition here, even though the Blue Jays uh, have the exact same record as the Yankees, it's going to come down to Yankees, Red Sox. I, I think whatever game ends up being played in the wild card game is going to involve the Blue Jays. It's really just a question of who figures their shit out first, and that's what I think the real race is. Because if you're if you're working for the Yankees, or if you're working for the Red Sox, I think that at this point in the season you have to assume that the Blue Jays are making the playoffs, and you just need to turn your shit around before the other team does. And I just don't see how a team can do that to the White Sox right now. Not the White Sox, the Blue Jays right now. Jesus. I just don't see a team overcoming that. I Absolutely. Don't. 
Now the Yankees are trying to do their best with uh, making some adjustments there. They, you know, they move Glaber Torres off from short to, to second to try to improve infield defense as a way of trying to help bolster uh, the pitching. Because as we all know, infield defense always comes back to um, help or hurt your, your pitchers. You know, That's if true. you let up a ground ball to the shortstop directly, you are as a pitcher kind of banking on that for being an out. And not only does that increase your pitch count when that becomes an error or, or even something that's not marked as an error, even something that's marked as like a fielder's choice or um, an infield hit, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. And not only does that get to your pitch count, it also gets to you mentally because you think to yourself, that should have been an out. That should have been an out. That should have been an out. And, you know, pe- pitchers are, are people too, no matter what Corey Kluber thinks. And um, it can, it, it can, it can affect you. And so they're, they're trying stuff out like that. And the Red Sox are obviously trying to just, I think, maintain that they, they are a good team at their, at their core, at least with their batting and trying to just make the right calls pitching wise for whatever they can. But mm-hmm. that's the real race. That's the real race. Those two, man, I it's am a hell horrified. of a race. I'm so excited. I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't want to live and die by individual games. I, I don't like it. And if the Yankees, don't, if the Red Sox don't make the playoffs, I think people are going to be like, "Ah, oh, well, that's unfortunate because they put together a nice season." But how could you no, have expected a playoff set, birth yeah. out of this, right? Whereas the Yankees, it's like you guys had a 13-game win streak. You guys spent all this money in the offseason. You guys made some decently questionable roster decisions, and for what? To not even make what do the, you have show? To show for it? Yeah. the show? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, so it's uh, much higher stakes on the Yankees, I would think, at least from a from an optics perspective. Agreed. Do you have any other thoughts on the AL wildcard race as of right now? Um, no, I just I want to see it end. Like 20 just, short days, my friend. Yeah, 20 short days. I'm sure they'll be the shortest days of all time. I'm horrified uh, with every fiber of my being. <laughs> um, all right, well, then we're going to wrap it up here so I can go make some dinner. Uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so at juicing pod if you'd like to hit us up via email you can do so at juicing the numbers at gmail.com and if you'd like to send hit up corwin on twitter you can do so at corwin heller and if you want to hit myself up on twitter you can do so at joshua d tracy until monday y'all have a good one bye